As I was listening to all those announcements that uh, Bill gets really excited about sharing, as well as uh, those who came up here, I was thinking, uh, there's a lot going on. And, and you think, well, wh- why is there a lot going on? Why, why are we busy doing a lot of different things? And hopefully we're not too busy doing a lot of things, but we're busy just enough to, to be what God wants us to be and do. Is How do people hear about Jesus? There's really only two ways people hear about Jesus. One, you invite them to come and see. They, they come to a uh, see the face of Jesus among God's people, and they come to a service like this or some special event or some kind of program where we have the opportunity to show love in specific ways and then get in conversations and, and just tell them about Jesus. But also the other way is to go and tell, and, and that's where we go into our, our relational world and we talk to our friends about Jesus. And I had a great opportunity right before the service to talk to Kevin, who it's his birthday today. He wanted me to tell everybody he's just groaning right now. It's our... Uh, our, we'll give him a, a round of applause. This is his birthday today. And, and as we say that, I've got to just share this little uh, a point of reference that our, the literature we send out at our church is not inerrant. Like, for instance, we have a, a birthday list, and we don't have everyone's birthday in readable, in, in, readable, in easy accessibility so we don't we don't get everybody's birthday out so that's why we had to make sure Kevin you know got his kudos today because it wasn't on the list but also I just wanted to share about Kevin as we were talking right before the service and I love conversation like this he, uh, he has a best friend and they've been talking about spiritual things and he he wanted some input as far as how to carry on that conversation and see that's the go and tell and I, I want to I want you to know how how important that is just to get in conversations with your friends and doesn't mean you're going to always close the deal or come up with the best argument, but you're just in that environment where uh, they feel free to talk to you about spiritual things, and you have the opportunity to talk to them about spiritual things, and God uses that. So let's be a people that invite people to come and see, but also might we always be going and telling people about what Jesus and who Jesus is and what he's all about. So with that as uh, just kind of an intro, let's uh, pray one more time, look in God's word. Let's pray together. Father, we just ask in the time that we have that you might use this in, in ways that really draw us uh, into the truth and to know more and more about who Jesus is and how he wants us to live and what does it mean to really believe in him. And, and Father, I just really pray for each one of us, no matter where we are on our spiritual journey. Maybe we're just at that place where we're just filled with more questions than answers. Uh, might your word really speak to us today? And maybe we, we come today and we think we have all the answers and might we... Might our world be rocked a little bit as far as how we, we see ourselves living out our faith? And it might not be directly according to your word. It might you challenge us because of our time in it. But Father, we pray that our hearts might be alive and our minds might be alert to, to what you want to say to us. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 9. We're in a series in the Gospel of Luke. And last week I, I read a, a section really from a a composite of the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, over the same event or story in the life of Jesus. And it was, it's, some people call it a harmony of the Gospels, and basically what they do is they take Matthew and Mark and Luke and they put the verses together. They don't add verses or subtract verses. They, they just want to give you the full story from all three uh, viewpoints. But today we're going to looking back just at Luke, chap, uh, Luke the, the event in the life of Jesus from Luke's perspective. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 9. Uh, verse 43, and we'll be looking at that in a, in a few moments. But I've entitled the message, The Truth About Being Confused. And again, even as I was uh, preparing to come up here, I was thinking, what a privilege it is to come to a place and you're not just getting people's opinions. And hopefully you understand that the things I say that aren't directly out of the Word of God, you've got to wrestle with. Is that a, is that a great or 
an accurate explanation of the text? Is it something that really uh, helps me understand it in, a, in a better way? Uh, and if it isn't, then just throw it away. Because really the truth is found in this book. This is our source of authority. It's not the pastor. It's not the church. It's, it's the Word of God. And it's Jesus speaking into our lives, and those he called to follow him that were inspired to do so, they give us the truth from God. But as I was thinking about that, it's kind of interesting that this morning's title and looking at the Gospel of Luke is the truth about being confused. And I was thinking, you know, what would people say, what would be the takeaway for people after they leave on Sunday morning? What, what, what did you learn at church today? I, I learned about being confused. I said, well, you didn't have to go to church for that. You could, you could find that all kinds of places to learn how to be confused. But really, as we're going to look at it in a moment, is, is sometimes we have this perspective on the Christian life that, that once you become a Christian, everything falls into place. You know, there, there aren't going to be any problems, there aren't going to be challenges, and above all else, when things happen, you're going to have a clear idea of what is happening and why it's happening. Well, you don't have to be a Christian for any length of time to realize that's not a promise from, from God. You are going to be confused like a lot of people are confused. In fact, what, how everybody is confused in all kinds of experiences in life. But the difference is that we can have a perspective about life when we are confused. And hopefully you're going to see that this morning. And it all to change how we live when we realize that when we encounter things in our life that, that really bother us to the core, that really just, just cause us to be frustrated or disappointed and even discouraged, even as we kind of relate that to our relationship with God, that, that God is not surprised by that. Things happen in life, and often they're confusing. And particularly they're confusing when we really don't want them to happen, particularly at the time they do happen. Now, sometimes they're big things, and sometimes there's little things. About a week ago, I was, I was going home from um, the church facility, the campus here, and it was in the evening, I don't know, it was about 7 o'clock or so, and I got to, an, I live about two or three miles from here, and I was in the intersection be, uh, on Murlands and uh, Ridge Route, and all of a sudden, I, I, there was a red light, and I was already upset because I didn't quite get through that yellow light to get through the other side, but anyway, I was, I was, I was sitting there in my car on the red light, and all of a sudden, my, my car stopped. Well, I thought, you know, maybe it was something, the battery, just whatever, you know, so I, I turned the key again, and it turned over, but the car didn't start. Well, if it doesn't work once, you try it five, six times, and, you know, it still didn't work. And so I'm thinking, what am I supposed to do? Because I'm not on the side of the road where it's easy to just kind of park. So it was, I, I was in the, inner, the center part of the section. And so I got out of my car, and, I, and I'm pushing my car through the intersection. And, um, and, and then the, that's, it, it gets better because, uh, embarrassing enough, there are two ladies come out and say, would you like some help? And so, so, uh, so <laughs> I don't think that's funny at all, Okay. <laughs> So what am I supposed to say? No, I can do it. You know, so, so they, they help me push it, you know, and then they tell me where to push it because they didn't think where I was pushing it was going to be the right place to push it. So we get off the, off the highway into a little parking lot by, uh, you guys are still laughing at me. Okay, so, so I get it off the highway, okay, and it's, it's by this uh, pizza place. And so then I, uh, you know, I, I have, it's my luxury car. It's my Hyundai Accent, okay. And if you know anything about Hyundai Accents, they come with, real windows you roll up, okay? So, so I have this Hyundai accent, and, I, and, and one of the things about Hyundai is they have, they, have, they have a pretty good warranty program and kind of some special things, and they have a free roadside assistant. So, so I call the number, give them all the instructions about everything, and, and all of a sudden, I say, oh, 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 by the way, I just looked up your, your record, and uh, this free roadside assistance is no longer free because you've now 
gone past the time frame where we offered the free roadside assistance. So, so I'm not confused or frustrated or irritated by this at all. Okay, so, so anyway, I, I figured I, I find, somehow get a, another tow truck to come, and he comes there, and he says, he tells me what happened. He says, well, you just don't know how to turn it on. So go ahead, you know, it's got to be just the alternate. It's, well, anyway, he, he turns it on. It doesn't work, so at least I, I felt pretty good with that man there. Okay, so, so it wasn't something I was doing wrong. So we tow it to, my, to the mechanic I normally go to. And leave it overnight, get there in the morning, and, and what happens when something doesn't work for you the next day when you give it to the mechanic? It works perfectly. So, so all day he's trying to get it to not work. Finally, he, he figures out what was wrong, and I was surprised that my Hyundai Accent actually had a computer chip in it, but he, he, he got a, um, a, a pending code, 339, in case you want to memorize this in case this happens to you on Muralins and Ridge Route. Well, what three, uh, code 339 is, it's a crankshaft position sensor. Anybody ever have a crankshaft position sensor go out? I, I see a hand back there. Bless you, my child. Okay, anyway. <laughs> so what happens when that happens, when the, crank chi- the crankshaft doesn't work, what happens, it, it cuts off the ability for your car to be fed gasoline. And when your gasoline doesn't get your engine, it doesn't start. It doesn't run. So... Uh, one reason I go to this particular mechanic is he's really honest, he's done really good for us, and if something is over war- under warranty and I haven't looked at the, the manual very carefully, he said, well, you don't need for me to fix it, you can send it back to the dealer. This will be under warranty. But, and he says, it's, it's going to happen intermittently, so you should be able to get there. So I'm thinking, I'm praying, I said, I'm a man of faith, I'll pray I can actually get there. So I, I get there, put the car at the dealer, and he looks it up, he says, you want the good news or the bad news? Okay, uh, give me the good news. The good news is... Um, you're, uh, you're under the, the mileage amount for your warranty. The bad news is you're past the due date of it. And so it's not under warranty. You're going to have to pay for it. Now, I don't know about you, but when those kind of things happen, I just get frustrated. You know, why did it happen then? And why is it? Couldn't it happen just like a few months earlier and then I would have been paid for? Now, obviously, this is just silliness because, you know, Having a car situation like that, you know, there's no injuries, nothing really happened. It wasn't that expensive to, to fix. Uh, but you wonder, w- w- why? Why couldn't it happen when it was still under warranty? Why did it happen in the middle of the night? Why did two ladies have to help me push across the, the intersection? Any of those kind of things. But if, if you have, and we have people in our, our own church that have family in the, in the shootings in Las Vegas, and we have families that have um, family living in Puerto Rico that lost everything. Um, we have friends of ours that live in Santa Rosa, and they didn't lose their homes, but family members did lose their homes. And, and, and you begin to wonder, well, <laughs> why is this happening? And even more importantly, why is it happening to, to me or to people I really care about? And so Jesus, and we just looked at for a couple of weeks, uh, him teaching his followers, his closest companion, his disciples, apostles, what does it mean to really live by faith? And, and let's, let's, be, let's be honest, they didn't do too well in certain the, the experiments that God had put them on to, to test their faith. And, and then he begins to move on, and, and he's going to do some things that initially are confusing to them, and he has to teach them certain things about what happens just in life when you even after you know God and after you want to follow after him. And so let's pick up the event in Luke chapter 9, verse 43, and, and move on. And, 
And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. And that was right after Jesus was able to heal the child that had been demonically possessed and abused since he was a child and no one else was able to help them. And they were amazed. That word amazed is an interesting word in the original language. It means they were driven beyond their senses, being able to understand and explain all that had happened. But they were excited about what had happened. But while everyone was marveling at all that he, this is Jesus, was doing, he said to his disciples, and what he's going to say to his disciples is, is going to be right where we're at. It's going to be confusing to them. Let these words sink into your ears. For the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand this statement. Now, if we were to stop right there, we would say, well, why didn't they understand it? Well, it's quite possible that you would have thought that maybe they didn't understand because they didn't really think deeply about it. Or if you took another step, you said, well, no, they were thinking about it, but they didn't really have the aptitude, training, or experience to actually understand it. And we have a lot of those kind of things. Sometimes um, Hank came over uh, to our house yesterday. There were some electrical issues, and I, I read the instructions. I looked at what was there, and the instructions didn't seem to match <laughs> what was there in my outlet. And so I called Hank over so I didn't explode my house, and he fixed it. I, I, the reason I didn't understand it, I didn't have the aptitude or the training or experience. And Hank, he said, he, he was so good. He said, I said, you want me to turn off electricity? He said, no, I can do it with electricity on, you know. So, uh, you know, and he didn't blow up our house. But, I mean, he understood it. And so sometimes we don't understand because either we don't think about it. Sometimes you think about it. I was actually reading the instructions. I handed the instructions to Hank, and he said, I don't need these. And he just fixed it, okay. Um, and then other, other times is, is that God doesn't want us to understand it. And that's what we're going to see just in a moment, which is confusing to me. Why wouldn't God want us to understand certain things? Backing up again. Let these words sink into your ears, for the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand the statement, and it was concealed from them. So they would not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about the statement. I, I, this morning, I, I just want to make some few, a few observations of the text we're going to be looking at this morning. The first one is this. Have you ever been confused about why you can't understand everything, or you could even be more specific, something? And maybe there's something right now that's really bothering you. And because it's bothering you so much, and you can't look around and blame anybody else, and you really don't want to blame yourself, and so really the only person you can really blame is who? Is God. And you say, God, God, why, why can't I... Why can't I get my finger on this? Why, why can't I get it? Why can't I understand why this is happening? And why is it happening now? Why is it happening to the people that I really care about? Why is it happening to me? And sometimes God says back to you, if you, if you were, if you, he was speaking audibly, you, the reason you can't understand is I don't want you to understand it. It's for you to understand at a later time. You know, we understand there's a, we, have, we experience this, this in, in family life. There's a passage here, and I'm going to take it by way of principle. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 12, it says, When I was a child, I used to speak as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. Have you ever tried to reason with a child about something they can't, because of maturity, be able to understand? And you do it for a while, and, and then, then eventually you just have to 
Tell them, you're just going to have to what? Trust me. You're going to have to simply trust me. Because they don't have the capacity to understand. And, and then also, if they, if they could understand it, they might not be prepared to, to deal with it. Aren't you glad that, that you don't know the future? You know, think back. Some of the things that, that have happened to you, if you knew that was going to happen, it would have just crushed you. And, and they, they weren't capable of understanding that Jesus was going to die. And even the details, that he, he was going to be betrayed by one of them. What do you think they would have done to the one they knew? If they knew Judas was going to betray, betray Jesus, what would they have done to, to Judas? They, they, would, they would try to kill him. But that wasn't according to God's plan. It would have been their plan. And, and we just need to trust Jesus. I put it this way in your outline. Some things you are to believe and remember, but you won't understand until later. Now, he, said, he did tell them, he said, I'm going to put this into your ears. I want you to listen to it. He, so he's going to tell them something they're not going to understand, but I want you to remember because you're going to use it later. And, and so that, that's just part of walking with God. You, you could have that same illustration in Acts chapter 1. Uh, and so when they had come together, this is after Jesus had risen from the dead. It's the ascension, right before the ascension, and saying, Lord, is it at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? That was the passion. We want you to rule. Okay, you didn't do it before the cross. Well, you're going to do it right after the cross, and it's going to be soon. But Jesus says, he said to them, it's not for you to know, you could say even understand, the times are epics which the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. They, they didn't understand his death, his horrific death on the cross, until after it happened. And then even after it happened, they, they, they wanted to rush to the, the goodies, okay? Now you're going to eliminate all the problems in the world. I said, no, no, what I want you to do is deal with the biggest problem, the problem on the inside of people's hearts. And give the freeing message that people can be forgiven. And maybe, maybe you're here this morning. And, and really, that, you need to understand that, that church is not about just rules and regulations. It's not about just doing things that, that look good. It's, it's about knowing the one who is good. Who can change you from the inside out. And that's it's our privilege to get that message out before he returns. So the things we need to believe and remember, but we're not going to always understand until later why those certain things happen. Now, we could talk about that in so many different ways, but let's move on. After this happens, an argument starts among his 12, to which, to, and the argument is to which of them might be the greatest. Now, the timing of this is rather ironic, isn't it? They didn't quite understand it, but he's just told them about that he's going to die, and, and now they go, okay, we don't quite get that, so let's just talk about ourselves, right? <laughs> Which one of us is the best? But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For the one who is least among all of you, this is the one who is great. Now, I, I phrase this as the question in your outline. I probably could have done it different ways, but he, he said, How do you know if you are doing great? 
Now, probably most of us don't go through each day asking that question. You know, am I doing great today? But we probably ask or ha- are being asked this question, how are you doing today, right? And if you've ever been asked that question and really don't know how to answer, how are you doing today? Do you really want to know? I, I got my car stopped. I'm Ureland's and Ridge route. No, not got pushed. No, okay. You know, what, how do you know if you're really doing well? And in this particular case, how do you know if you're doing great? Now, if I wrestle this passage, if we take just a moment, I was thinking, how, how could, did each one of those people think that they might have been the greatest of the 12? Now, when I read this text, that's normally how I think. But, you know, the more I think about that, I, I don't think they're thinking they're all in competition to which of, which of the, the 12 is the most prominent. Because they'd already seen the three go up to the mountaintop, right, with Jesus and transfiguration. So they're probably thinking, okay, I'm probably not number one, number two, number three, but I hope I'm not what, number four, right? And, and particularly, I don't want to be number what? Twelve, right? You don't, you don't, you don't want to be the last one picked. So they're, they're all, who's going to be the greatest, right? So even if we're in our humble mode, we don't think that we're the, the goat, the greatest of all time. We're thinking, I just don't want to be the W-O-A-T, the worst of all time, right? I, I just don't want to be the worst. I, just, I want to at least be above average. So they're wrestling with this. And, and of course, Jesus is just, he's just he's saying, no, they don't get it. Okay, it, it, every, everyone is, is great in the kingdom of God. Everyone is great in the kingdom of God. And, and in case you don't quite get that just because I would say it, let me give you an illustration of it. Okay, l- let's just bring up a child. Now, we live in a culture now where, where, where children are the, the most exciting things going on. I mean, my child is, you know, got, made the honor roll here, and my, my child, you know, won this award here, and my child can beat up your child over here, or, you know, whatever it might be. Okay, it, it, it's all about children today, but in that day, that was not the case. It was more back, you know, a few generations where children were to be seen but not what? Heard, because they didn't have anything to say, right? That, that was the thought process. In that day, children really were not prominent until they got a little bit older. And really, depending on that, the age of the child, what is, what is true about a child? A child is basically helpless, right? A, a child is dependent upon their, their family and the people around them to care for them. The, the child is not a person you go to for advice and counsel. You know, you know what, should I, what should I do with the rest of my life? And what are they going to say? Nothing, right? They have nothing to say. And so, so they're, they're, and then say, if you want them to help you with a project, you know, I didn't go to any child to help with, with my electrical problem this week, okay? Because, you know, they might blow up my house, right? So you'd say, well, what is the greatest? The greatest is the people who really are not going to give you anything. They're not going to help you. Often we get prominence if we know somebody that's prominent, right? Well, no child was prominent. And so all this was, was working in their psyche and saying, well, who's the greatest? It's this little child. Well, I thought it was better than that little child. So how does, how does that work in, in how we live? I, I put it this way. Greatness is not measured by what people think about you or how they treat you, but what you think about people and how you treat them. Because basically, what is a child mostly thinking about? Themselves, right? And, and, and so it, when he said that's the, the greatest, 
is it, that child is not thinking about you. But see, that's really not the point. The point is, is how are you thinking about others? And how are you treating them? That, that's, and he said, if you will receive them like this little child who can't do anything for you, if, if you see that child has no status as important, then you get it. You know, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says this, Do nothing from selfish, selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. See, they would have been having that discussion who's the greatest if they, if they saw every one of the other 11 as more important than themselves, right? And if they had thought that way, then they would have understand that's greatness in God's kingdom. Isn't that true? And then that verse, and it's a little bit different translation I gave you today, Luke 6.31, and just as you want men to treat you, treat them in the same way. We memorize it this way. Treat others the same way you want them to treat what? You. And when we live that way, then we're, we're, we're understanding greatness in God's eyes. Jesus came not to be served, but to what? To serve and give his life. You know, that passage in John chapter 13 where Jesus washes the disciples' feet? I mean, they're amazed <laughs> because that was the greatness in a physical setting. Okay, there was no servant there to wash the feet, the, the, the rest of the disciples' feet. And so they were figuring, well, the least of us are going to have to pick up that towel and that basin and wash the rest of, our, rest of the, the, the group's feet. And they're thinking, well, I might not be one, two, or three, but as long as I'm not number 12, I don't have to do it. And who actually did it? Jesus. And we would all say that he was the greatest in that small group, right? But he became the one who was subservient to the rest of them. So are, things, are there things in life that confuse us? There are things that we would like to understand, but we don't understand them. And God says, look, it, there's things you need to believe and remember. And you won't understand until later. And sometimes those are the horrific things why some people die from our perspective early. I have a cousin that died at 27 of a brain tumor. I had another cousin that died on the operating table because they misdiagnosed him. I have an aunt in her late 50s all of a sudden became mentally ill and had a severe case of bipolarism. A friend that I grew up with in his 30s became bipolar, ruined his marriage, lost his job. He is in extreme health deficiency at this moment. How do you understand that? You don't. But you believe God, he's still good. And he knows what he's doing. And, and then we get so caught up on how we're doing. What's our performance evaluation? And, and, and we desperately want the praise of people, or at least some people. And God said, the, the greatest are the ones who are not worried about what other people think about them, but how they think about others. 
They're not worried about how they're being treated, but how they're treating others. Those are the greatest in the kingdom of God. But they move on, and, and, and this kind of action-packed day or whatever period of time it was, I didn't really do a lot of research on that. Um, and all of a sudden, they began to kind of lash out at other people. John, who was in, in, the, in the close three, uh, verse 49, John answered and said, Master, we, we saw someone cast out demons in your name, and, and we tried to prevent him because he does not fall along with us. But Jesus said, do not hinder him, for he who is not against you is for you. And this happens often in the, in the Christian world where we're, we're always worried about who really is on our side. And really, does, it doesn't have to be in the Christian world. It could be, you know, who, who, who really are my friends? Who are the people, you know, I can really count on? And I can only count on the people that, that have always been close to me. And, and, and we, get, we, get, we get distracted. And I put it this way in your outline. Keep the main thing the main thing, particularly in the Christian world. Are they helping or hurting the cause of Christ? And you could say this in in just your own relation. Are they helping or hurting you in whatever you're involved in? You don't have to throw labels on everybody. Just is it helping or hurting? And if they're helping something, then let let them run with it. John thought, well, he's not part of the 12, so he shouldn't be doing what you directly gave us the power to do. Well, Somehow God was using them. And just let it go. In, in a different way, in Luke eleven twenty three, 23, it says this, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. But Philippians 1, 18 is a passage I think really works this out. It says, what then? This is Paul. Why he was in prison? Why another were, were preaching the gospel really to, to demean him in some ways or to raise himself up in the eyes of others. He says, only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. In this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Now, it might take more time to kind of develop the thought here, but the idea is here is, look at if, if God is using people in various ministries in a way that really are touching people's lives, let's, let's applaud what God is doing through them and in them. We are not in competition with other people. What we are is, is trying to be a light in the midst of darkness. But I want to jump to this last one. Look at 51 through 56. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. And that's kind of a code language of saying he was headed to the cross. He was headed to the cross. He was headed to the cross. He was headed to the place where where God was going to center all that was to happen in the life of his son. And, and he sent, this is Jesus, messages on ahead of him. And they went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was traveling toward Jerusalem. Now, we're living now in a particular time in the life of, of America where and it kind of goes in waves where Racial tensions that are at a very high level. But let's be honest, racism is not only found in America, it's found throughout the world. And let's be honest, it's been true throughout history. Then what was happening here was, is that the Samaritans, who were um, a group of people that 
that had been Jews, and then they intermarried with Gentiles, and then they were living in a particular area, and they were given the name Samaritan. And the Jews did not like the Samaritan, and the Samaritans did not like the Jews. And in 400 B.C., it got so bad that the Samaritans said, well, if you don't want us to, to worship in Jerusalem, we'll, we'll worship in Mount Gerizim when they made up their own temple. And so for four centuries, they were at odds with each other, and they hated each other. And so when Jesus was coming through their town, they said, we're not going to receive him because he's headed Jerusalem, and we don't want to affirm anything that they are doing. Well, this ticked off John. Verse 54, when his disciples, James and John, and his brother as well, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Now, that sounds a little what? A little radical, right? They, they don't like Jesus going through this town, so let's just, let's just destroy them, right? Now, we would never have a thought like that go through our head, right? <laughs> I mean, can I just kind of do a sidebar here? I, I'm, I'm amazed more and more how in the Christian world, people with political viewpoints can't even have a conversation together. The other thing, I, I'm, I'm amazed how Christians, when people push their buttons, just get consumed with emotion. When people disagree with us, we just, we just can't handle it. I think, well, this, we don't have the ability to throw fire down from heaven. We don't think we can, but, but if we could, we would, right? You know, you, you know, you've heard the debate about tolerance. You know, tolerance used to be, if a person was tolerant, that was a compliment, Okay. But now when people say you're tolerant, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Because what tolerant used to mean is that, that we could agree to disagree. You could, you, could, you could be tolerant of me thinking I'm wrong, and I could be tolerant of you thinking that you're wrong. But, but tolerance now is that anybody who doesn't really agree with me is wrong. Okay? And that's why people aren't tolerant of, 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 of people who, who just, well, we'll go on from there. Okay. He goes and says, but he turned and rebuked them. This is Jesus and said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to what? Save them. And then they went on to another village. So look, it, if they don't want me to go through that town, I'll just leave. Right? I want them still to hear about Jesus. I want them to know about, and in Acts chapter 8, the Samaritans, Peter went to there, and, they, and, they, and Philip, and they, and they came to know Christ. So what's the point? When people offend you or someone you care about, how should you respond? You should respond with love. Now, may I just want to talk, visualize people uh, talking about you behind your back or talking about someone you care about behind their back. Maybe it's a family member. And, and often we feel that we need to rush to that person's what? Defense and protect them and, and put that person in their place. 
And let me just submit to you, most of the time we ought to just keep our mouth what? Shut. We don't need to run to everybody's defense. I mean, if, if they're in physical harm's way, yeah. But, but often what happens is, is that we fight fire with what? Fire. And God wants us to fight fire with, with love. L- 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 I mean, there, and, and let me just say this. Okay. We, we, we all are kind of wired differently. Uh, James and John were known as the sons of thunder. So I guess you could imply from that that their natural temperament, they had a rather short fuse. But when James and John responds this way, Jesus rebukes them. So whatever our natural temperament, we need to understand uh, we can't use that as an excuse. We we ought to love people despite our natural temperament. And what will love look like? Look at Luke 6, 27, 28. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Not only your enemies, but the enemies of the people that, that... you care about. Do good to those who hate you. Bless them who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you or mistreat people you care about. Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And, and merciful is a strong word here because often when we do things that God doesn't want us to do, we, we have to somehow rationalize it and say, well, th- th- they deserved it. They got what was coming. I'm just giving them what they gave others. Yeah, grace is getting better than you deserve, and mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And so when people in our mind deserve certain things, we're merciful when we don't give it to them. There are people in our in a, in a society that have to be involved in that. If you're in the police force, if you're a boss to an employee, I mean, if you're in a position of authority, you have to do that. But on a relational level, we need to love those who are enemies. We need to bless those who curse us or other people. I mean, they were taking offense at Jesus. Did Jesus need their protection? No, he didn't. And often we rush to judgment. And that's what James and John did. So what's the point this morning? <laughs> Are you still confused? And you say, I'm more confused now than when I came in. <laughs> but but I, want, I guess the, the point I want to leave us with is that welcome to life. Ever since the world has fallen, there are confusing things that happen all the time, and, and we're put in positions where we're, 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 we're struggling with how should we react and how should we respond and what should we say or what should we not say, and, and, and that's the battle. And, and for the Christian, our battle is not our own, and we can turn to him for guidance and direction. There are horrific things that happen out in this world. And, and what we need to be is, is not adding to it, but taking away from it, and and we need not to be the people when we're confused, we just drop out. But when we're confused, we still believe and remember and trust that later on we'll understand. And we don't let whatever pain cause us to stop. And we're wondering, what, well, how, how, am I, how am I doing on a report card with God? Well, it, look at this. This is, this is 
This is a, a floor where all of us can do well because all we have to do is think less about ourselves and think more about other people and treat them better than we have them treating us, but how we would like to be treated. And, and, and when we're, we're quick to, to criticize the tribes of others, let's not be so quick. You know, what is, just stopping there for a moment, I know I'm out of time, but you look back at the Christian world, what are some of the, the biggest horrific things we've done, you know, the black marks on our, on our, our movement with God, it's, it's like the Crusades, the Inquisitions, the arguments between the Protestants and the Catholics. Now, I mean, there are times where people are wrong, but the, the, we ought to bring a sword. We should have brought the Word of God to them, right? But John said, look at they're not, they're not of our tribe. We, we can't, look at just get away from that. And, and then looking at this is that so often, man, we take offense when we ought to just let it go. And that's why Jesus said that. Look at it's, Everyone loves their neighbor. Everybody loves people who love them in return. But love those who don't love you. Now, how can that be done? It can only be done with a right relationship with Jesus. This is not living naturally. This is living supernaturally. And it comes by imitation and commitment and surrender to Jesus who came for us. Let's pray. Well, I pray this made sense and wasn't more confusing. But I find when I read these passages, just, it just challenges me to my core. And Father, I would pray that we would be a people that, that when life gets confusing and when life has more questions than answers, that we realize that we know the answer, but we don't have all the answers, but we, we love the one who came for us. Father, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, might they just decide the day to turn to the one who loved them so much he died for them. And help the rest of us live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.